I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, Super Producer Brandon Newman, my father, Mike Golick Sr. Dad, how are we doing this morning? I'm doing well. Uh, the only thing I can say about that game last night is, if you were watching it, it was one of those things where, at the end, I mean, Denver was crushing Miami so badly that at the end, did you see where it got to and you were waiting for the throwaway three? by Miami. The money line was eight and a half. They won by 11. If they Now, they didn't try a three at the end, but I was just thinking at the end I'm, as I'm watching it, because we did our parlay, which we'll get into, but that would, we've seen those, you know, the bad beats, you know, where they're blowing them out the whole game. If they would have hit just some trashy throwaway three at the end, that would have changed it for so many people. They would have then, it would have been the other one by eight instead of, you know, and the line was eight and a half. But that didn't happen. That that was the only interesting thing to me at the end of the game because Denver just so dominated game one. The first time the uh, the Miami Heat have lost game one in this postseason. 
They won every game, won the three previous, all on the road, by the way. But Denver's undefeated at home this postseason, and they established themselves right out of the gate. Yeah, there's no question. Denver came out and looked the part, as we all expected. In the rest versus rust debate, rest won yeah. by a country mile. So we've got plenty to get into with that today. Got a great show, as always. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on YouTube and the DraftKingsNetwork.com. Uh, we have got finals reaction. We have got SEC scheduling drama. And mm. we've got two of our friends, Mickey Sudo and Nick Weary, the first family of competitive eating, two of the best major league eaters on the planet who are here to help us celebrate National Donut Day that has come up here today, Dad. They are down in San Diego at the National Donut Eating Contest that's there to benefit the Salvation Army. You'll hear a lot about that in our interview with them, but we figured a celebration of food around here, we should bring in a couple of experts to help us out. Yeah, without a doubt. And we also brought in donuts uh, today as well, which we should have. We There's no doubt we are a donut family. This is a big day. I heard it's also National Cheese Day. Now, while I like cheese, it doesn't compare to the donut side of this. And uh, I look forward to, to, to talking to the two of them. I am so jealous of you when you, at your time at ESPN, you got to cover a couple of the Nathan's hot dog eating contests. I've always wanted to do that. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, but I was always loved watching that. And then you got to call that a couple of times. Very, very cool. I'm just into that. I got to eat against... Eater Rex and Joey Chestnut one time. Um, you were right there, obviously, calling all the action with them at the Nathan's event. So I, I, I just love that stuff. I think it's really cool. I know some people don't dig it as much, but I, I, I love talking to them. Some of them have such great personalities as I'm going to eat yeah, my donut. If it's not for certain people, screw them. It's for us, and it's our show, so you're going to enjoy talking to them. Mickey and Nick are great. Um, in the vein of you know serious days and things also, do want to wish everyone, we missed it at the start of yesterday, a very happy Pride Month to all our LBGTQ plus listeners and friends out there. We love you. Enjoy this month. Celebrate this month, obviously. Uh, you know, try and for everyone else, create spaces where everybody can feel welcome. Feels like the bare minimum that we can all do uh, as we try and support our friends in that community. And uh, today in Major League Baseball is also Lou Gehrig Day. It's uh, ALS Awareness Day also, which is another big one, another thing that yeah. you can continue to throw your dollars behind the research to try and help so many people fight this neurological disorder that is an absolute scourge. So uh, obviously a lot of fun we're going to have today, but also do want to acknowledge the serious things going on today as well. But dad also want to acknowledge the basketball that went on last night. You mentioned it. Denver came out and won the opening stanza. What stuck out to you most about what they were able to do in game one of this series? Basically, Miami had no answer uh, defensively, you know, of the different things that they tried. The length, I mean, was just ridiculous. The advantage uh, that uh, that Denver had. You're talking, you know, what was it, Porter at, at 6'10", Gordon at 6'9", or, or vice versa, Joker at 7' or 6'11". You know, Miami can't match that up. And Aaron Gordon... In the beginning, the matchups were ridiculous for him. He got so many easy points in the paint where he just battered his way down there. And that's what Miami's going to have to adjust to. They seem to do a little better of a job in the second half. Now, how much was that? Did Denver take their foot off the gas? They were destroying Miami by as much as 24 points. Though Miami did get it down on an 11-0 run in the beginning of the fourth quarter to 10 and then a 9 with a couple of minutes to go. I don't know about you, but I never felt like 
Denver was in jeopardy of losing this game. Joker, the other thing that stands out to me, and listen, Joker at this point shouldn't stand out to anybody. Another triple-double is ninth of the postseason. But he's just so nonchalant about it. He, he does not care about scoring. He does not care one bit about scoring. Be, he, early, he took, what, five shots in the first three quarters and then seven in the fourth quarter? He has no problem just saying, okay, this is what the defense is doing. I'm going to dish it let my teammates take care of it. And guys like Garen Gordon early and then Jamal Murray through the game did. So I, I guess what stood out to me the most is we kind of saw exactly what we thought we were going to see is Denver's length take control in this. And for Miami, when did Miami, you know, what we saw how they can win hitting threes, well, they weren't hitting anything. They were as cold as can be, you know, especially, you know, the Caleb Martins and, and Robinsons of the who, who you rely on as your kind of role-playing shooters out there. Gabe Vincent was able to hit some shots for him. But their shots weren't falling. And, and I think the biggest thing that stood out, Mike, was they got two free throws. They set a record. They had two free throw attempts. And they made two free throws. That's it. Jimmy Butler had eight drives in the game, his lowest in the postseason. He said, we've got to attack the basket more, and it starts with him. So I would look for that as a major, major difference in game two is seeing Miami a lot more aggressive by the basket. It may lead to more blocks against them, but it may lead to more opportunities on the free throw line and possibly putting one or two players from Denver in some foul trouble. Yeah, I feel like that's got to be the thing, right? We saw in the game where the Lakers probably had it the closest in the last series was at least for a while because you had Jokic in foul trouble, but it really is the length, man. We talked about it being a bigger, faster, stronger series for Denver. We're going to talk about Miami needing to drive more, but on a lot of those early drives, you saw shots affected by length, shots blocked near the rim. And, Dad, you know this. Early on in the game, we always said – talking about third downs and someone's best blitz. If you stop it early, you're not going to get it anymore because people are human, and when a bad thing happens to one of your best shots, you're going to automatically start to go to your off-speed pitch a little bit, and it got Miami to settle for a bunch of jump shots, and we can talk about the heat shooting cold. This was really a Max Struess couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. 0 for 9 from 3, and Dad had open looks. Like, that's the thing that makes me feel a little bit better for Miami is there were open looks they just weren't knocking down. And we saw in the last series they can definitely make them, but it it, it did definitely have me a little bit worried coming off this game last night because the Nikola Jokic supercomputer just digested information and continued to spit out results. Yeah, 17-game, 17-point lead at halftime in this one. And you said it. And so I guess that's what we wait to see. Can Miami hit those shots? We always talk about role players usually play better at home, but Miami's done it on the road. As I mentioned, they've won game one of all three other series on the road. Their role players were hitting shots. And in this one, they just weren't. You mentioned Struess, but the guy that cost me our parlay, you know, Caleb Martin, was one of seven from the field. So the two of them were one for 17. Guys that you count on, Four shots, guys that just hang out on the wing, get the ball kicked to them, and for the most part had good looks. And just, I mean, not just missing, they were bad misses as well. So was it an off-shooting night? Was the altitude a factor? Because altitude, we've all played out there at one point or another in our respective sports, them basketball and us football. You do feel it. 
again, ours is, ours is an outdoor game, but still, you, uh, altitude is up, is, is altitude, and you do feel it. Inside, outside, without question, you feel it. We felt it when we were out in Colorado Springs for that Notre Dame event, just kind of walking around. So I, I would imagine they would be a little more adjusted to it in game two, but it certainly can have a bit of an effect. But the bottom line is the length got them, and to your point, all of a sudden, when they're playing off a little bit, but they still affect the shot, that's got to get to you mentally. So now if you're Miami, you don't take that shot right away because you think, oh, they're, they're, they're not that close, but they're close enough to affect my shot. So you kick it off to somebody else, and it can affect you mentally. So I, well, that... And that kick it off to somebody else generally tended to be Bam out of bio. Like, this was a sensational game yep. for Bam as a scorer as people constantly chirp him about being more aggressive. 26 points in 40 minutes and really was dialed in, was their only source of offense. But, Dan, it almost seemed like they were trying to funnel it into him. They gave him a ton of space on the inside. He went and operated with it. And it was almost like, hey, we're going to try and get them off the three-point line and get that ball into Bam and say, yeah, we'll we'll give you that one. If someone's going to go off and have a game, we'll let it be him. And then on the yep. other side, you really saw, I thought, Jamal Murray as Jokic was getting fronted. They were trying to be physical with him. Jamal Murray showed yet again why he's one of the guys that's been super integral to this run now that he's been healthy on the court. So, Dad, overall, was there anything you saw in this game that gave you hope for Miami? Do you think they can actually make this a series, or was this a shot across the bow that makes you nervous we're in sweep territory? Well, I, I think they can make it a series because I, I can see – well, everybody can see the changes that are going to have to happen. The two major ones are, A, you got to get your shots to fall, right? You can't have two of your collective, you know, starting shooters be one of 17. I mean, you're not going to win that way. I mean, you're, you're just not. Jimmy Butler and the rest of the team have to get more aggressive to the hoop. As I mentioned, they shot two free throws at Tidemark for the fewest three throws, free throws made, and it broke the mark for the attempt of free throws made. So they have got to get more aggressive to the rim. We'll, call, we'll discuss what other adjustment Miami could potentially make heading to game two next. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Dad, you know, as I was thinking about the conversation about adjustments, it led me to what I think is the most telling stat about where we're at with this finals overall. Because... Brandon and I went on uh, the Brother from Another podcast live watch party last night during the game. Michael Holly and Michael Smith, friends of the show, great guys. And we're hanging out with them in the fourth quarter. And 
one of the stats that Michael Smith brought up to me symbolizes everything we're trying to talk about because everyone's going to wonder, well, in this next game, you got beat up not having enough size on the court for guys like Aaron Gordon to have to contend with. Does that mean Kevin Love starts getting some more minutes opposite Bam Adebayo? Do you try right. and get some more size out there with a guy in Kevin Love who can also offer you some shooting? As if that's some sort of tectonic plate that's shifting. And this is the stat that embodies what we're all fighting with here. This is the first NBA Finals matchup since 1990 without a first-team All-NBA player on the court. Jokic and Jimmy Butler, both second-team guys. Dad, this is what I think should be dubbed the culture finals because for both sides, we've heard heat culture barfed all over us. I think Denver is built of very much the same stuff. This is a series that, at its core, is about what your star player can create as an environment for the pieces around him. And that's why, when we're looking out at the long-term forecast of the series, you look at what Nikola Jokic was able to do on what was an off-offensive night for him because of the way the Miami Heat were playing him. He still affected the outcome of the game every which way versus Jimmy Butler on the other side, who scored 13 points, and really going back to the end of the last series with Boston, has looked like he's run out of gas a bit from the yep. incredible pace that he started the series at. So, Dad, how worried are you about Jimmy Butler potentially just not having any more gas in the tank at this point? Oh, I mean, it'd be tough. Remember, he had the ankle injury as well. You know, is that still – it's not like while you continue to play, and they played a seven-game series in Boston, you have time to rest it. So you got to just play through that. That can certainly have an effect as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot is on his shoulders. Bam picked it up last night, but they need multiple players to play well to beat this Denver Nugget team. And last night it was Bam, and that was really it. So, yeah, it, it is going to fall on Jimmy Butler. At the end of the day, you have to rely on your star. Luckily for Denver, to rely on your star, it's not about scoring because he can just dish the ball off to anybody and grab rebounds as well. With Butler, it's going to be, he's going to have to be that aggressive one that takes it to the hoop. Again, he only had eight drives to the to the hoop. That's the lowest this postseason. And he, he even said, I have to start it and be the more aggressive one. So I see that as being a big difference. It's Kevin Love, who didn't play at all, at 6'8", is he going to get some time to battle Denver's length? You know, we know the shooter that he is, you know, where there, there's some shortcomings, obviously, but... Do you want that length out on the court? So will we see more of him? And are you getting Tyler Hero back at all? You know, and, and if you do, what can you realistically count on from him if he does come back? But, you know, at this point, you know, Miami, as we've said, has won each game one. Now they haven't, so they're behind the eight ball. But still, it's it's normally what happens in a seven-game series, 2-2-1-1-1, home team winning their games. Let's see if Miami can steal the second one. You need someone to come up and just have that game. You know, and you didn't have it. Outside of Bam, you know, who was there on the boards and scoring, you you just didn't have it last night, and you fell too far behind. Yeah, uh, and I think you hinted at it here. You've just got the perfect weapon in Nikola Jokic you're going up against yeah. on the other side. So we will get to uh, our second attempt at the uh, Gojo Show same game parlay. <laughs> Dad, your Gabe Vincent bet – or excuse me, Gabe uh, – yeah, uh, your Caleb Martin Caleb bet Martin. from the other night – 
undermined our efforts, but we will build that out before the end of the show. We will try and get everyone right for game two and make some predictions there. Dad, the other most interesting part of the game last night had nothing to do with the game. How about Adam Silver doing his best sports talk radio show impression, teasing the John Morant suspension in an interview before the NBA Finals, saying, quote, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information. We probably could have brought it to a head now, but we've made the decision that it would be unfair to these players and teams to announce the decision in the middle of the series. So instead, he's going to announce it cryptically before the series in a way that's going to make us all ooh and ah and wonder and spin our tires on this thing for the next week. That's what we call a great radio tease, right? If he was, if he was when there was 10 seconds or 15 seconds left in a hard out segment and he gave you that line and then went to break, we'd all be going, oh my God, what a great tease. Why would he do it? I mean, listen, it's great for us and talk shows and people to, 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 to talk about, about how many games. Is it going to be a whole season, a half a season? You know, what are we thinking? Everybody's going to try and find out or dive into it. But he, he, put, he, he said it in a way to not put a headline to it and let the NBA Finals be a headline. But the way he did it, in a tease fashion, he made it a headline against the NBA Finals. I have no do idea why he, should he have did just, it then. Do you think he should have just announced the suspension? He should have just said nothing. That they, they should have said nothing about this. Say this will be dealt with after the finals are over. Not we uncovered more information. Not anything like that. I wouldn't have said a word. But again, a lot of times, as we know, the commissioner is interviewed before the championship games or whatever. And if he was ever in that position and somebody asked him, we'll deal with it after the finals. End of story. That one line. That's it. There's no need to embellish it all on that or talk more about it or get cryptic like he did. As I said, we enjoy that because we can speculate on what it's going to be. But from the NBA side of it, I, I can't believe he did it. It's one simple line. We'll deal with it all after the NBA Finals. Nothing more, nothing less. This is the equivalent of getting a text from one of your parents, and in my case, it would be my mom, that just says, call me. Because if it were normal, you would have just called me. But when the news right. is bad, it's call me when you get a minute. Which to me indicates all of the tone and tenor around this is this is about to be bad. Like, I will not be surprised if John Morant is suspended for the entire upcoming season based on how, and especially additional information they've uncovered. Yes. Because they already had a fair amount to work with in the Lifetime Achievement Award of this. The additional indicates to me this is probably going to be a guy that's going to get sat down for a year. I, I agree. I think that that possibly is going to be here. Maybe a little less. We'll see. We'll see what the union does once we once the, the suspension is handed out. But we're doing what every talk show is going to do. We're going to talk about it. And it's something Adam Silver didn't want. Or maybe he did. I don't know. I don't know what his, what his thought process was. But if you didn't want this to be a headline at all, then you shouldn't have mentioned it the way you did. So that leads, and Adam Silver is not a dumb guy. So that leads me to believe he kind of wanted to throw that little grenade out there to say what's coming. Trial ballooning the suspension uh, for John Morant that will now be coming when we come back from this commercial break. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, 
Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Very excited uh, to welcome in Nick Weary, Mickey Sudo, the first family of competitive eating and major league eating. Uh, it's my first time seeing you guys in a while. I got to cover you both in the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest for those couple years. Nikki, the year you were pregnant, I actually got to work with you. So first off, how you guys doing? It's good to see you again. Oh, that was such – that's still, like, it goes down as one of my favorite memories of all of my Nathan's experiences, um, getting to – serve as commentator along you, but um, how about that? Uh, lots has been awesome. going on. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Got first couple of professional W's this year. I won uh, Wonderful Pistachios out in Santa Monica. Then I won the Wing Eating Contest in Miami. Yeah, um, Nick's off to a good start. Uh, yeah, pretty good start to the year. You know, in, in Nathan's prep, got a donut contest coming up. And Miki, of course, has been putting me in the rearview mirror for a bunch of contests so far this year. So, uh, well, I, I saw that you guys were just in the Jack's Donut Hole eating contest a bit ago, and I saw Mickey got you by by a few donut holes in that one. But I had to ask, I saw that, Nick, about the pistachios. What was it, 188 or something? You ate? What What do you have? Did you have to, do you have to crack them too? I mean, how, how do you have to go about eating them? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah crack and everything. So 188 and eight minutes. And I think, actually, the, um, the lack of feeling in my hands and the hands <laughs> Bodybuilding is actually what helped me win that contest. Um, so yeah, crack and eat 188, and and it was awesome because Joey had commercials leading up to, and he was really the head guy, and he was taking pictures with the belt ahead of the contest. So that was just delicious to take that title, you know, from him on that day. <laughs> Nick's really demanding that people call him Mr. Wonderful Pistachio for the next. Uh... <laughs> It's like 270 more days of that. Yeah. There we go. And you know what? We are happy to lay that title. Mr. Wonderful Pistachio himself gracing us with his presence. The fourth-ranked major league eater in the world. Mickey, obviously, number one-ranked female competitive eater. The holder of the mustard belt. A dominant force as we get about a month out from hot dogs here. But, guys, we're in donut form right now. You guys are in San Diego getting ready to embark on an incredible journey. Friday, which is the day this is going to be released, is National Donut Day. And you guys are at the National Donut Day Donut Eating Championships hosted by the Salvation Army. First off, it's awesome because this is also for a good cause, fundraising going towards much-needed veteran services in the greater Los Angeles area. So obviously very cool that you guys are a part of something like that. But the fifth annual here, it's going to be on the USS Midway if people want to go by uh, down in the harbor in San Diego. But Dad mentioned it. You guys are coming off donut holes and shifting to whole donuts here. So is there a preference? How do we feel about this? 
Oh, this one's a little bit different because it is a dunking contest. The weather's going to be a little more mild. What are you thinking? I'm excited because it's going to be cold and she's probably going to be super uncomfortable, which gives me a slight advantage. It requires a lot more force <laughs> and a lot less grace. Yeah. So it might be, um, you know, more leaning towards Let, Nick. Less rhythm, more violence. That's my style. Ah, so yeah. so it, it, explain that when you say it's a dunking contest. Explain what this what this contest is. Um, so we'll be eating Big Mark donuts. Um, they're regular glazed donuts, but they've got some substance to them. They're they're heavy. They're dense. Um, so yeah, they don't they don't just disappear in your mouth like some other brands might. Yeah. So we actually will have cups next to us. Some contests we're allowed to dunk the food. Some contests we are not allowed to dunk the food. We have to kind of eat it as it is. So by dunking the donut, the hope is it absorbs a bunch of the fluid and the donut becomes a drink, and you can basically just slam it down. But these are these are pretty serious donuts, you know. A donut that you guys could relate to is like the donut crazy donut is no ordinary donut. These are serious donies that we're handling here. So like they got some weight to them. So the record's 55 in eight minutes. It's a pretty good amount of a uh, pretty good amount of yeast. We're going to be trying to put away. <laughs> I guarantee that that number is going to be crushed because you have me and Nick competing against each other, both out for blood. Um, <laughs> it's a very competitive household, um, you know, because up till now, it's just been, you know, me versus Tomorrow you've got uh, us and James Webb, Australia's number one. So you've got three people really, really vying for that first place. Um, so I think that number is going to be crushed. Hopefully we crush the, the number for, uh, you know, the amount that we raised for veterans. Um, last year was 20K, and hopefully that number is going down too. It's incredible, and everyone can obviously donate. It's on the Salvation Army's website. And uh, as this event is going up here, I know you guys are going to try and stream it tomorrow. I believe the Salvation Army of San Diego is going to try and stream this event as well if people want to see that. But uh, I, for both of you guys, you mentioned that fire. It almost reminds me of Formula One where you've got drivers on teams, but within those teams, they're incredibly <laughs> competitive. Have you noticed yeah. has that made you both better individually now being in a household where this is the family business? Oh, 100%. Yeah, because there's, there's obviously I get to learn things from someone who's one of the she'd be on the Mount Rushmore, you know, of competitive eating. So, so that's incredible. But there's also, um, I want her to beat everybody except for me. Like there is, I am not losing to you under any circumstance, whether it's racing to the car, whether it's eating donuts. I, it doesn't matter what it is. Little weird nuanced games that we have amongst each other. That, that competitive nature is a huge drive. Um, especially if I hear the MC say, you know, Mickey Sudo is at 31 donuts. And I know I'm at like, 28 like well it's time to downshift time to hit the <laughs> i am not going home for five hours on that plane hearing about how i got second place <laughs> i think you'll see that and it's going to show in our hot dog numbers too because obviously i i get the behind the scenes look at nick's practices and i know every year we say oh this is the year but like nick's practices have been consistently i i can't let him overtake me in hot dogs <laughs> in this household and that's very much a reality step on my game so yeah so definitely push each other better. So the 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 physical side of this, I think I know way back when when I first started watching, you know, the eating contest. I think people naturally think it's it's large people that would be able to eat quickly. But I mean, oh Nick, hell, you're a bodybuilder, and, and but you see the the better eaters are either small and wayfish or have good builds on them. Why is it? Why from a physical side? Why is it? easier for more normal sized people to eat than bigger people i think part of it is um bigger people have a tendency to graze sometimes more grazers and enjoying 
the food, but I think when we're in better shape, I know her and I both realize we feel better even when we're doing it. Whether it's an endurance thing or whether it's just, it takes me longer to labor fatigue from the food when I'm in better shape because I'm, I'm slightly more ravenous, um, I guess. So, uh, and then I think a lot of times people who maybe are, um, you know, ex, ex-athletes or in better shape, there's some of that competitive drive in them where it's just, this is going to, you know, make no mistake about it. That 40, you know, 45th or, or 60th donut or hot dog doesn't taste quite as good as the first one. <laughs> you better have some competitive drive that says, like, I want that check. I want to win, and there's no way I want to lose. Uh, and I, I think that's maybe a common denominator among some of the ex-athletes that we have. I could definitely see that show up because you're right. It's a full-on training regimen. Getting to call the hot dog contest and see what everyone puts into their process, it's high-level athleticism in the approach to all of this. But it also does, to your point about taste, make you connoisseurs. One of my favorite interactions on social media, anytime a food subject comes up, is seeing Nick waltz into the comments here because you're a man of great taste. And so since it is National Donut Day, our family loves the hell out of some donuts but have not consumed at the level and variety that you have here. What is, in your opinion, the best donut when it comes to flavor, type between cake and yeast, all that accounted? Do you have a favorite? I, I feel like I could create Nick's ideal you can donut. Go, you can go first and, and answer. No, no. I, I'm Nick's ideal donut would be some really mature palate mashup of cookie dough, birthday cake, and donut. That's basically what his ideal donut would be. So if that exists, it's that. Yeah, because that's what a sophisticated palate would want. If there was a cat of donuts, that's what they would serve at it. Okay, so my favorite donut ever is probably um, Donut Crazy Actually West Hartford has a cookie dough donut. It is one of the most unreal things you could have in your life. It'll change your life. Like, you, you guys know, both of you probably know, that donut will change your life. That one, or they have one that's got a sugar cookie dough with a circus animal, a frosted circus animal right next to the dude. Those, those two donuts, like, oh my goodness. Like, there's two. They had a contest with those. I would gladly take 10th and just sit there and eat slowly. Yeah, and enjoy them. My, my, we, we, we ate at Donut Crazy all the time. My wife loves the Nutella one. I like the one that looks like a hostess cupcake. But there's so many of them that are, that are so good. All right, so let, let me ask you this. In all the different foods that are out there, I mean, you see so many different, you know, competitions for different foods. Mickey, let's start with you. What's one where a contest is coming up and you're like, oh, yeah, I love this food. Or a contest is coming up and you're like, eh, I don't want to sit there and say you hate the food, but you're less enthusiastic about that food. Um, Less enthusiastic. I don't know if we're... If we're gonna have it back on the circuit but spam was definitely a challenge for me um i didn't love spam going into it and i didn't like it anymore after <laughs> after eight minutes of uh spam out the can just block it. um and foods that i like um you know i really hope to see minnesota ribs come back i like baby back ribs and chicken wings so i'll take those contests like all day every day it might not necessarily place great if i compete that much but yeah i could do those all the time yeah i would say ribs and wings are probably my favorites as well plus their contests were even going into uh the announcement we as the eaters because they're done by weight displacement don't necessarily oh, know fun. who's in which placement oh. so that's really cool to get like live feed the la- especially if you're in the last two and you're just sitting there like that's that's really exciting those um as far as one i wasn't quite as thrilled about I, again i would probably jump on the spam train on that one um with that said 
I did multiple practices leading up to that contest because I really wanted to win. I shattered the world record and still got second with nine pounds and eight minutes. Uh, so that was a bittersweet contest. Bittersweet contest. Oh, my God. Bittersweet oh. and about every other God. flavor imaginable with that much spam <laughs> in the gully. Dear God. You mentioned the amount of training that went into that particular contest. You guys have talked about donuts, but you mentioned the elephant in the room is Nathan's. It's the biggest contest everyone pays attention to every year. I know in football, when you're playing a triple option team, you spend a lot of the year, the rest of the season, practicing for that team because it's so different. It's something abnormal. For this one, because Nathan's is such a big deal, do you spend more of your calendar year focusing on dogs and buns? How does that go? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not known for doing a lot of practices, but I, I will definitely do at least two practices leading up to Nathan's just for the coordination's sake. Um, I, I've done two this year. I, I started earlier and I've done more because Nick's very much a, a perfection by practice kind of guy. Yeah, Miki's kind of the Bo Jackson of what we do. Like, I don't actually go in the gym. I just show up, you what? know, that thing. Um, and just like wakes up with excellence. But that said, when she practices at something, if she's in a good mood, like just get out of the way because she's just a dominant force. And and part of that is like knowing how to pace herself. And that's what makes her great at what we do. But with myself, undoubtedly, dogs and buns, the way they're done in contest. Um, also because I'm, I'm, I'm chasing a ghost, so to speak. I, I'm, I'm trying to, is the unstoppable force. Everyone says, well, he can't be beat and he can't be beat. Well, that's true of everybody until they are. Like, Mike, when I talked to you a few years ago, it, it was just, yeah, I think you even said, you're like, this is a, this is a confident guy going into this. Like, very few people, when you talk to them, will say, like, oh, Joey can be, he's a man. Like, and eventually that belt will be mine. And the pink belt and the yellow belt, same house. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's a day we would all look forward to, the, the, couples that, the couple that have that in their house. Mickey, for you, is there... Kind of like where Joey Chestnut is now, where he kind of walks into that contest and everybody knows he's a favorite. How was it for you? I mean, the only thing that stopped you in your streak was pregnancy when you had to go and, and become a commentator before you started uh, winning again. So is there an intimidation factor of, of so many wins for you that the other women just kind of feel defeated when they're around you? Um, I don't get the impression that they're defeated, but I also don't see that that crazy, intense desire to overtake me. Seems kind of happy to be there, which is great. Um, I was never that person. I when Sonia Thomas was the winner, I just I, think I could do that, and I went in my very first contest saying, "No, no, no, it's, it's first or nothing." At that point, um, I, I honestly don't see that. You know, again, being happy to be there is is a, is is a great attitude. Um, but yeah, it would be really, it'd be interesting if somebody jumped on the women's side with the same kind of crazy intensity that Nick has on the guy's side. So I don't Not care. advisable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's going to be good for, for her or me or anyone. But um, it would definitely be interesting as a fan too. Um, yeah, and as, as far as pressure goes, uh, you know, I still want to hit 50. I really feel like it should have happened in 2022. Um, I don't know if it, yeah, last year. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. uh, 2020, um, I did the 48 and a half, and I'm like, oh, if I had known that we were, you know, down to the wire, I would have stuffed more. Um, and then, I, like you mentioned, I was out for pregnancy. Um, yeah, 50's right around the corner, and I, I just, I need a little bit of help from the weather conditions, but I, I, I don't know, that's what I'm chasing. She's right saying now. smash the over. That's what she's saying is smash the I over. Can't <laughs> there we yeah. go. There we go. Get ready for it. Early betting odds for the Nathan's <laughs> Hot Dog Contest.
I love that. Hey, can you can you chipmunk any food when you get into the end? Any eating contest can it be chipmunked? Oh, yeah. See, for the most part, yeah, you have to be you have to be a little bit more careful with some because, like, I think the basic rule of some is you got to be able to take your hand away. It's got to be yours. It's got to belong. <laughs> It really hurts me when people are actively still eating. Oh, well, yeah. it's in my mouth, but you're using your hands. Like, That's no different. When than they eating. turn to the side and the hand is so, here. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, and I, I shouldn't let it bother me this much, but I mean, you'll see those people who can immediately, Joey's really good at this, who can immediately start talking after, yeah, yeah after time's called. I'm one of them. Some people, I swear to you, are still chewing at, like when we're announcing podium. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but. <laughs> If it doesn't affect me, I guess I won't let it affect my day either. But um, yeah, it's just, but I but I see. You. <laughs> She's taking notes. If you're still just finishing up what's in your mouth, I'm done. I'm having a conversation with Nick, and I could still eat a donut, put it down, and you're still chewing. Then how does mine not count? It's um, just that it's that getting away with. Or like yeah. sometimes you see when the the lineman may, like, nudge the ball a little bit forward, like, oh, oops, it moved two, three feet that direction. Nobody saw it. The, ga the gamesmanship <laughs> yeah. of competitive eating. Just everyone made abundantly clear, Mickey sees what you're doing and doesn't like it, so lock yeah. in. <laughs> oh, my God. Guys, it's unbelievable. Uh, I could sit here and talk to you guys all yes. day. We are so yes. pumped uh, to see how this goes for you guys tomorrow again. Everyone check it out. If you're in San Diego, 9.30 a.m. local Pacific, down on the USS Midway, 910 North Harbor Drive in San Diego. Going to be going down for a great cause, and you will see two of the best in the business going at it. Guys, best of luck. Great to talk to you, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon as we're about a month out from the dogs and buns. That's right around the corner. Definitely. Thank you so much Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Always a pleasure. If that doesn't get you fired up to eat some donuts today, I don't know what will. Uh, I, th they're great. And, you know, uh, you've had a chance, obviously, to talk to more of the eaters by covering a couple of the Nathans. We've had them on the show a few times when I was at ESPN. A lot of them have such great personalities. Nick is amazing. Dude was a bodybuilder. Actually entered his first contest without even like practicing. Was still kind of bodybuilding and went into like a cheeseburger eating contest and did well without any kind of training at all for it. So they're fun. Again, great competition, donut eating. It's going to hopefully raise a lot of money as well uh, for Salvation Army to help veterans uh, in, in the area there in Los Angeles. So I, I like that part of it as well. But man, it's so much fun and all the different foods. Could you imagine? He ate not what he ate, eight, nine pounds of spam. I mean, some of these, well, how about like the mayonnaise eating when they eat pounds of mayonnaise? Some of it is just like, wow, I don't know how they do it. Yeah, I, I for as much as I have been oft associated with mayonnaise after the Duke's Mayo Bowl, for obvious reasons, like I earned that, I'm never going to be able to wipe that yeah. off, but... Eating it for bulk is one of the most disgusting things that I could ever think yeah. about. Um, I think they actually did that in um, in the game this year. Jay Arnold, the former Texas A&M offense uh, defensive lineman, they had him in the crowd as like the one millionth fan at the Duke Mayo Bowl, and he just had a spoon in a big jar of oh. mayonnaise, and he was eating it out of it the entire time. And I real that was a moment that was actually healthy for me because I realized that I truly do have limits, and I had found one of them there, which is healthy. So, Dad, what would be your food of choice if you were going to find one to bulk eat? 
Um, you know what? I do like what, and, and both of them were in a contest just about a week ago in Indiana. It was actually Jack's Donuts. It was Donut Holes, to which I think Mickey ate, she didn't win it, but she ate, I think she was third with a little over 300, and Nick had like 280-something. I think I would like that. Kind of easy to eat. These are full donuts they're eating today. But I think I would go with donut holes or chicken wings. I, I, I do like the wing factor as well, though you are dealing with the bone, so you got to make sure you, know, you get enough of the meat off it for it to count. But giving me one selection, probably be donut holes. How about you? Uh, I love a contest where you could do fries or ice cream. I could eat those on a loop in perpetuity go. until the sun explodes or AI kills us all. Um, speaking, guys, of what people are eating, this is a great opportunity to tell you about the deal our friends over at Omaha Steaks have going on right now. As we are heading into Father's Day, you can give Dad the gift that keeps on giving, and that is delicious Omaha Steaks here. What do you get the guy that's got everything? The easy advice for men is always to make it edible, clearly, as this segment has indicated here. So go on over to omahasteaks.com and use promo code GOJO at checkout, and we will get you $30 off of your qualifying order. You can get packages of bacon-wrapped filet mignons, gourmet grillables like air-chilled, boneless chicken breasts, burgers, jumbo franks, the whole lot. They've got desserts, too, four delicious caramel apple tartlets, all of it exactly what your dad's going to want to open up this Father's Day because we know, above all else, dads want steaks. So whether he's your father, your father-in-law, or father figure, he's the guy who's always going to be ready to step up when you needed him the most. This Father's Day, show him the love with the only gift that's as unforgettable as he is, the mouthwatering perfection of Omaha Steaks. From perfectly aged, tender steaks to hand-selected gift packages, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to give dad what he really wants. Order today, get $30 off with promo code GOJO, and every purchase is backed by their unconditional money-back guarantee. Minimum order may be required. See site for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, thank you to Nick and Mickey. Uh, ever, as always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Check out that whole interview. Uh, support them. Uh, we are going to get to this, that, and the third here in a second. We also have to give our same-game parlay for Game 2. So we've obviously got a couple days, but we won't be on this weekend. Our first same-game parlay was undermined by Dad's poor choice. And so, Dad, wow. we're going to give you a chance to redeem yourself here. So just make sure I've got this right. We cooked this up during the breaks. Each of us is picking a leg of a same-game parlay for Game 2. We're going to get DraftKings to throw it up on the sports book that you can check out there. For this one, we have got... Dad, your pick was Bam Adebayo for over nine and a half rebounds in this game. I went that for Nikola Jokic yes. combined points and assists over 35. And Brandon went for Jimmy Butler under 25 and a half points in this game. So everybody good. Everyone stamping that one right now so we can send it off and get this thing notarized. I, yep, I would like... I would like for you guys to have the ability to veto it or at least make it so that it's the over and not the under. Like, is betting against Jimmy Butler going over 25 and a half bad business for game two? Listen, Brandon, that's your listen. choice. You have to own your yes. leg of this. Brandon, you, you picked Aaron Gordon at over 12 and a half last night. He had that in the first half. 
I was most concerned about that one. And you had yours in the first half. Mike, you picked a Joker to have, what, over nine and a half or, or ten assists? Not, he had that in yeah. the first half. Mine was Caleb Martin hitting three threes. He stunk. Him and Robinson were horrible shooting, and I cost us the parlay. So it was mine that let us down, so I, I hope to pick up my slack. But, no, you own this one, Brandon. That's your pick. You go with it. All right. So that's our parlay for game two. Everyone, make sure you check that out. Hopefully we'll win you some money this time around. Guys, let's get to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off and take in to your weekend in this case. Uh, and, Dan, let's start with uh, some of the big news in college football yesterday. The SEC went and ticked everybody off by announcing after the vote that they would not be moving to nine conference games the way every other Power Five conference has structured their schedule in 2024. Instead, the SEC, with 16 teams when Texas and Oklahoma arrive, are going to continue to play eight conference games uh, in 2024 without divisions so it'll go to one permanent opponent and then seven rotating opponents throughout the schedule instead of what could have been three permanent rivals and six rotating opponents here dan i see a lot of people ticked off about the number of power five opponents that the sec plays in a given year all these competitive reasons here's what i know the sec at the end of last year if we want to pick metrics to support everyone's argument that can be flawed in the strength of schedule final rankings last year, the SEC had sixteen uh, had uh, 13 teams inside the top 16 in strength of schedule. They've perennially put at least one, if not two, teams into the college football playoff and a bunch of other teams into bowl games right now. They are not financially incentivized or competitively incentivized right now to do anything other than what they've done. So I'm surprised that people expected them to do anything different than what they did. So I, I would just if I'm the SEC, do exactly what they did. And if somebody asked, asked, why aren't you going to, you know, nine game conference schedule? My re response would be, why? Tell me why I should. And, and let somebody give me a reason of why we should change something that's worked so well for our conference. There's no need for them to change that. So why would they change it? Who cares if everybody's mad? How many people yell at Notre Dame because they're not in a conference? I don't care. Yell all you want, because if your school had a chance to be independent and grab all the money and be on TV every week and do the things Notre Dame does, you would do it. And don't tell me you wouldn't, because I know you would. So why change something that's working for you? If the system starts to change around you and you have to you know, change with that, so be it. Right now, they don't have to, so why do it? Yeah, exactly. It would definitely be better for the fans who would get to see more teams play in the SEC without sure. massive gulfs in between that time. It would preserve rivalries. All these things were not a factor in the decision-making. None of these people no. making power making these decisions <laughs> actually care about us. The sooner we remember all of that, the better. Um, let's get to that. Speaking of people uh, surprised by questions here. We got sound of Nick Nurse in his opening press conference as new coaches are taking jobs around the NBA. Nick Nurse, the former Raptors coach, now the coach of the 76ers. And look at how he responded when he got blitzed by a question of if he wanted James Harden back next season. Two months in, two Do you want James Harden round. back? Pardon me? Do you want James Harden back? James Harden's a great player. If yeah. I didn't answer the question. Well, I would say this <laughs> is that um, uh, James has a decision to make. And um, I'd be very happy if he came back. Yeah. <laughs> so Nick obviously fumbled the bag here 
my thing is, I want to know who that reporter was because that was excellent surprise blitz journalism right there. That was a fire zone pressure that the quarterback did not see coming, and it got the exact result that people wanted, which appeared to be a weird little bit of truth serum from Nick serum, uh, Nick's, uh, Nick here in a way that he did not need to divulge. Yeah, I, I don't – Nick, it, it did seem like Nick unbelievably got caught off guard uh, with that one a little bit. I, I'm surprised. You know, other things he said, winning has to be the sell. He said, can we be good enough to win it all? That's got to be the goal. That's got to be a goal of his, meaning Harden. And if it is, then he should stay here and play for us because I think that's a possibility of that. So, I mean, okay, if if you're asking if Harden wants to win a ring, then okay, then he should stay and play for us. Boy, that, that doesn't sound too resounding. Dad, do you want James Harden back in 2023, yes or no? At the amount that he wants to be paid, no. Oh, well, Dad, you're supposed to be Nick Nurse, and the answer is yes. If you're Nick Nurse, the answer is yes. We want him back in 2023, and then you move on here. That should have been easy for him. Listen, as soon as I get paid like Nick Nurse or Monty Williams for that fact, then I'll answer the way I'm supposed to answer at a press conference. <laughs> you know what? Fair point. Fair point. Go Irish on that one. So congratulations to Nick Nurse for now making a bunch of problems on yourself at your introductory press conference. This should be an exciting offseason where James Harden may actually decide to say, no, I don't really care all that much about winning. I'm going to go hang out in Houston where I like it a lot more anyway. Um, Dad, let's get to the third. This one you brought up to me. So tell me about a life-saving Sherpa at the summit of Mount Everest. This is amazing. By the way, this year already in Mount Everest, there was a record 478 permits for people to climb Everest. It's a March to May climbing season. And at least 12 climbers have died already, the highest number for eight years, and another five are still missing. I can't imagine that's a good thing if you're missing on the Mount Everest slopes. Well, one person that's not is a, is a climber a Chinese client who the Sherpa saw as, as before they could get to the summit, noticed he was having problems hanging onto the rope and was very, very cold. So we talked the guy into saying, hey, you're not going to make the summit, you know, and we got to go down. This Sherpa ended up strapping this guy on his back, on his back and taking him down 1,900 feet from the balcony area, they call it, um, over a period of about six hours before they were able to helicopter him out there. This Sherpa put a, put a man on his back for six hours to go down Everest to save his life. Unfortunately, as we mentioned, the guy didn't reach the summit, but he got his life saved by a Sherpa who, who strapped him to his back and took him down Everest. That's unbelievable. Yo, that's a real-life Greg Jennings put the team on my back, though, on Everest. On freaking Everest, it's a reminder, and I remember I learned this going uh, and doing the Kilimanjaro climb with Chris right, Long's right. charity, the Water Boys. We had a ton of porters with us who are lugging our massive 50 to 75 pound bags up the same trail we're laboring on with backpacks. Sherpas and porters are God's gift. They are incredible people and also trained at altitude in a way that makes them strong like ants became humans. They are some of the most freakishly impressive people on earth and thankful for all them as i'm sure yep. this chinese client is as well because it's the reason that he is actually still alive right now um we hope you enjoyed this trip 
up with was likely not the Everest of your podcast day, but maybe something close. If you did, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well as DraftKingsNetwork.com or Samsung TV+. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank.